Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, another exciting episode of The Hostile Takeover, the weekly show where I, Adam Ray, the is a tinkerer, and a very special guest talk about anything and everything that my guest loves in the world of gaming, PC and tabletop, and everything in between. For those of you listening, I want to thank you for listening to us through our Patreon support. If you're listening to us here, you're getting the full unedited version of our show, as well as all of our written work, our reviews across gaming and comics, far in advance than you would get on the regular site. And for those who are not, please consider throwing us our support. It really does mean everything. But with any case, we come to our main event and where I talk to a very dear friend as he and I have survived the trials and tribulations through a multicolored, spectral, wonderful depiction of the multiverse and the afterlife quality given to us by the fine people over at Gilding Lights, masters of broadcast Dungeons Dragons and TTRPG gameplay. We take this kind of world very seriously, but it's very showing that in the name of my guest, Casual Campbell, my good friend, how are you today? Casual, but all seriousness, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling great, actually. That is wonderful stuff. We survived the bright multicolored afterlife through the adventure known as Angel in the City of Glass, and it was an absolute blast to be actually there up in the first and front lines of the TTRPG community. It's brought me some good friends, including yourself. Do you remember that experience with a lot of fondness? I think you do. I definitely do. Being able to, it was my first time playing a bard slash barbarian to the capacity, and I very fondly remember Apollo Don and our great group of people of just bards being, well, bards. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to know that as of uh, the time that you'll be listening to this, dear, dear Fantastic Nation member, uh, in two weeks' time, another one of our co-stars, uh, Eddie the Discount Bard, will be featuring on this show to talk about a game he streams quite often, the Pirate Adventure Sea of Thieves, but I've brought our good friend, Casual Campbell here to keep on brand with our love of TTRPG, but this is a gaming podcast in general, and we can talk about this subject all day long, so let's do that. My good friend, I bring in people who I know and count on to be capital G gamers, someone who plays everything across the sun. So all great heroes have an origin story, and what is yours in the world of gaming? So my origin story, ah, it's great. I finally get to talk about how I became a superhero, but seriously. Um, Gaming was honestly how I was raised. My mother used to tell the tell me all the time that when she was pregnant with me, whenever I would start kicking in her stomach, she would play Tetris on her old like Atari station and it would calm me down. So we're pretty sure I've been a gamer since before I was even born. That is and amazing. when I came out of the womb, she would do the same thing as a child. When I would get a little rowdy and start crying, she would put me in her lap and she would play like old school Mario, old school Tetris and old school Pac-Man. And I would just sit there and watch. So gaming has been a big part of my life since like ever, since my mother always loved old school arcade games. And she's always encouraged me to just be myself as best as I could. And gaming just sung out to me. Uh, I believe my first game I ever played was on the, I believe, the Super Nintendo, and I wanted to say it was either a Mario game or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can't remember which one was first, but I played the old school Super Nintendo, and I just loved everything about games since then. Uh, every console that came out, me and my mom would get it, and I it started becoming less on her playing games and me watching and me wanting to play every single game that ever existed. 
that is as great an intro as I can agree with. I can safely say that both of our mothers are really cool and also really good at Tetris. An unlikely thing to bind us together in the bond of early gaming. But yeah, sure enough, the great consoles and the great early experiences sort of are the foundations of how we just ended up surrounding ourselves with this wonderful slice of life, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Who knew that, you know, the bond of Tetris, known to break things when they're fully formed, would uh, be something that's unifying. And it's like a, something I learned a lot. I meet a lot of people who have like similar stories where their parents weren't gamers, but they enjoyed the classics and they watched it and was like, I want more of it. And I think gaming is just that kind of principle that, that once you find one game you have in common, it becomes very easy to go down a spiral of just camaraderie behind the concept of gaming. 100%. I'm in a very similar spot in terms of where I got started. But uh, I think the game that you and I are defined and I think one that you create a lot of content around and one that I'm very involved in the community and make my own content around is that of Dungeons & Dragons TTRPG. So uh, for those who have been listening onto my show, we've got a regular segment where we talked about our origins, but largely it was a lot of friends in my education, but that's my side. How did you find the dungeons and also the dragons uh so dungeon and dragons i think I'm, I'm not completely sure on the first time i really heard about it but i will say the first time i sat at a table wasn't until even about halfway through college i had went to college for my um triple focus in business law and psychology and i was i needed extracurricular and at the time i was kind of doing our um acting club to kind of get some extra work to show that I'm diverse and I really needed something to relax. And partway through, um, one of the professors started a gamers guild. Um, it was there where they were like, hey, yeah, here we play all types of board games. And I was like, yay, that sounds great. Monopoly, Shoots and Ladders, Clue. And they're like, we also play TTRPGs. Now, at the time, I had been playing many games like Final Fantasy, all the Final Fantasy series. Kingdom Hearts had become one of my favorite games at this point. So I was like, cool, I know what RPG stands for because I love RPGs. And the first game we played was Pathfinder. And I vividly remember playing my half-elf bard female who I called Lavender because she loved the smells of flowers. And she specifically is a quarterstaff and she loved dancing because I love dancing. And it was a wild experience to like go into that moment. And I was like, cool, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's have fun. But our DM was also a teacher who was taking the time to kind of walk us through the experience. And we had been playing, I believe, like it's the Kingmaker campaign where you go through, you explore, and then you build an actual kingdom. So like it wasn't like a quick dungeon crawl. It wasn't even like a basic campaign. It was like a very politically focused because we were college students with critical thinking. And he was a law professor. So he really applied everything he knew about law. So it did. And with the acting class or acting club combined with that, D&D became very quickly a concept or ttrpgs became a wild concept of just world building more than anything than dungeon crawling and then our second game after that we played shadow run and then finally we played dnd 5e after that right before i graduated and i was in love everything about it just became amazing so much so that when i graduated college 
I actually was torn between what I majored in and wanting to ensure that D&D continued after graduating. <laughs> like when we graduated and our friends went away, I was like, can we not? Can we like just stay in school so I can keep playing Dungeons and Dragons? And where I lived in Lancaster, we didn't have a lot of like what I called nerd stores. So there was a very few and they were very infrequently used. But I ended up going and meeting more a few more people who liked the tabletop and was like, can all of you be my friends so I can keep doing this thing called and I remember I used to call it the Dungeons and Dragons like the I always said the every time when I mentioned it and like you could just call it D&D and I was like oh, I'm cool now I can call it D&D and that was like my <laughs> my introduction amazing honestly that's such a wholesome way in and very similar I, ha- I had a cabal of friends that I have kept with me from uh, when I was studying my degree that uh, went into TGRPGs with, um, they're still my dear friends now. They're the people I make YouTube content with. And it was thanks to my reputation of getting those guys together that I've ended up meeting the people at Ordinary Heroes where I stream my Dungeon Master skills uh, on hiatus due to obvious uh, uh, geopolitical reasons. But it's still a part of my life that has really defined me as a creator and has led me to my current position in Apotheosis Studios, writing for my own pieces. But then again, we're both creating brave new ground in the world of Dungeons and Dragons because you have brought one of your other big loves here into the game. And there's something, a whole other genre of storytelling that I don't know super well. And I'm very interested to hear everything you're putting together. So do please, where did the origins for Dungeons and Dragons, the anime come from? Oh man. So, um, uh, quick plug is Deep Breath. Um, it's the 5e hyper anime. It's a retro futuristic high fantasy setting. So uh, I will say I remember watching cartoons like most kids do growing up. But there was a point when I was young and when Adult Swim would come on after Cartoon Network and after Toonami. But also Toonami itself. Toonami had shows like I want to say I don't think Cowboy Bebop was on there, but it was like a few anime esque like shows like Big O and so on that was on Toonami, which like was 5 p.m. to like 8 p.m. And then Adult Swim would come on where they had shows like Case Close, Inuyasha. Um, I also watched a few like I can't remember all the ones, but those are the ones I said. And Yu Yu Hakusho. And then eventually I ended up seeing Cowboy Bebop and Trigun. And I was like, these cartoons are the greatest things that have ever blessed my eyes and i remember staying up late and like my mom would always tell me to go to bed and i would like turn the volume down to like two sit in front of the tv and just listen very quietly to it because i didn't have subtitles at the time and i started realizing like learning about anime ever so slowly ever so slightly and found myself enthralled and in a 2009 i had found um, by about that, I found Bleach, which is was one of my true introductory anime. And in 2009, I had found a forum of fans who loved Bleach. But it wasn't just a normal forum. It was a role-playing forum. So I was like, oh, I get to make a Bleach character with other people who like Bleach, and we get to write stories together? And I'd always love writing, and I'd always spend time with my friends pretending to build characters in fantasy worlds. So I, from 2009, for nearly a decade... I wrote Bleach characters to write with my friends that I had met online, and we would just tell stories together. And I believe our website is still active, and it was just a beautiful experience. 
And then I was like, I met other people who started doing other forums who did Naruto, who did Fairy Tale, and did One Piece. And the more I went on these sites, I was like, it would be amazing if we could just blend all the anime worlds together. And this concept kept coming to my mind, but I never did anything about it because I was busy trying to be, I was working my job, I was pursuing my education, there was so much I was doing. And then as I played Dungeons and Dragons, my brain started to take all the short stories I wrote, look at D&D, and I started, when I played D&D, I was like, let me make a character like this anime character as close as I could. And it was great for a while, and then one day, something switched and I was like, instead of trying to make my character, my anime character dreams using D&D, which is a very fantasy element, I was, why not build a world that mimics everything I love about anime? And then I took a bunch of my notes of my short stories, all of the uh, Japanese or um, Eastern storytelling that's very different than Western storytelling of movies, books, and comics, and started to build a world around the elements and principles of mangas, anime, and overall shonen jump. And as I started doing this, it was became a fun little thing. And then one day I had 20 pages of notes of character class ideas, races, storytelling, world building, and realized I was having more fun than I could ever imagine building a world that lets me live my anime dreams while taking my passion of what D&D 5e has provided. And lo and behold, I'm getting closer to the 5e compatible Deep Breath, which allows you to experience the world of anime, which is a blend of retro futuristic high fantasy, where you could have a bunch, several ninjas in a forest with like classic homes of feudal Japan while also carrying a cell phone. You could end up going to places that look like medieval Europe, but have massive digital displays and television, or go places that remind you of like, Scandinavian cultures of Vikings where they live in the snow and they live in mountainous areas, but they also have mech suits and other forms of technology like the internet. And that's blended everything I love about anime, every anime concept, um, their powers, their ability scaling, and just taking the elements of each world and giving homage to what made me the quote-unquote weeb that I am. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like a lot, uh, that origin, those titles that you mentioned were definitely a lot of things that got a lot of some of my friends in. Because unfortunately, for and to the surprise of many, I'm not the biggest anime fan. I appreciate it as an art form, but there's a lot of stuff about the stories which I just like don't connect with. And that's uh, something I want to try and find because a few that I've been able to like go through stuff like Fate Zero and Barkano, I have enjoyed, and there's stuff like oh, Ghost in the yes. Shell and, and there's stuff like Ghost in the Shell and Akira that are untime, unchanging classics. But I don't, I'm not as all in on the art, the style quite as much. But bringing that unfamiliar side to something I know as well as Dungeons and Dragons is what really excites me because you can get all of those alternate futures, cross uh, genre styles of story that you can really get such wildness and fun out of that I'm deeply excited by there are those who love D&D but like myself don't know anime super well but will then be picked up by the tropes and then there's the people like yourself who love both so much that they just come in and find that this is the greatest crossover ever since like peanut butter and jelly 
And that's kind of the idea. Like when I started it, it was very like, it was very anime hyper focused because I hadn't, I had only played D and D. If you add up all the time at the point, maybe a year. So I was like very intimidated at the fact that I'm like, who am I to try to write this kind of content? I'm not involved in TTRPG that deep, and I only know five e to a point. And I then it dawned on me like, first off, that doesn't matter how far, how long you are in. If it's a passion, it's a passion. And then. I started like taking more and more anime elements because it was at first only my favorite, what I call the my top favorites, which had a Naruto reference, it had a Dragon Ball reference, it had a Bleach reference, and it had a One Piece reference because I was like, let me not do too much. And then after about a month of me writing, I ended up making a class that's inspired by not just Dragon Ball, but it's inspired by Dragon Ball and Street Fighter where you have the ability to go super saiyan in a sense and the ability to get the um the murderous intent from akuma or even the still mind that's given by ryu there's a class that's based off the shinobi that's inspired by not just naruto but ninja gaiden and other similar ninja aspects there's um, a class heavily based off it's called the philosopher that's inspired by full metal alchemist but also inspired the subclass is inspired by what i call genius intellect anime characters so you'll get characters like um you have edward elric from flametta alchemist you have light yagami from death note lelouch from code Geass, and you have concepts where you can literally find elements of your favorite anime no matter what kind it is there's even a summoner class that's heavily inspired by final fantasy summoning and other animes that like zach bell and so on that bring elements where these people can summon alternative beings i even have a race that i we recently finished balancing and doing a little testing um that i like to, that they're called the dacrons which are like they're dragon related and what makes them amazing is they're small creatures that have the power when certain things are triggered to turn into giants which is very reminiscent of attack on titan so this entire race designed with the mentality of one type of race um especially the moombas from final fantasy 8 but have the ability to become titans in their own right so there's so many anime elements that every fan has a piece that they can recognize acknowledge including the tropes like there's a feline type race that's very reminiscent of the nekos that are very prolific in anime and just in general on just meme culture and other things so there's a little bit of everything for everyone to some capacity, all wrapped up in a nice 5e burrito. So exciting to see so many different kinds of stories and different genres and fan favorites, but also necessarily surprising animes brought together under this one umbrella. It's a very unique and interesting idea because we get lots of other supplements by other bigger creators and independent creators who either build it around their world or around their key ideas, which may have slight takes and twists on high fantasy but they're still high fantasy at heart so putting in the sci-fi elements and the heavy mysticism at the same time is what's really exciting first there was the dc comics news podcast then came the spinner rack and now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the knight. 
a story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story. My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things. Join me, your super dummy Paul, as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes. He's one of them like, you've ever gonna grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do. This is my hobby. Available on all your favorite podcast catchers. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) 
Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. With new books like it, there's always the question of what stuff we're going to be expected to get. So uh, as much as you're willing to talk about, because I know this is still under production and it's going to be hotly anticipated very soon, which I'm sure you'll talk about when it gets to the end for all of our plugs, but what stuff can we hope to expect out of the book? So right now, uh, the challenge has been being one person writing an entire TTRPG in itself has been complicated at best but i will say right now we're i'm sitting on um 10 custom classes with i think we're sitting at about 15 total sub or 10 races 15 sub races a uh, total of seven races uh, or classes with four specifically custom built from the ground up classes other ones inspired by a few of the already standing uh D classes more than a dozen, I think we're sitting at about 20 subclasses, um, new personality backgrounds, um, custom weapons, um, armor, and mechanics involving new stuff, such as the fact that it's a urban, it's almost an urban futuristic. So there are guns uh, where you can have the fact that someone can walk around with a longbow and someone else can walk around with a semi automatic or automatic rifle which was uh, fun to balance, but we figured out a little nice niche. Um, so it's going to be a lot right now. It's going to be the what I call the player's creation guide, which will allow, give you everything you need to create a deep breath anime character is what I'm going to be trying to release first. There are a few more mini books, so to speak, that will have um, the inclusion of all my custom spells. That'll have the inclusion of the custom mechanic, including the custom mechanic on how magic works and the custom mechanic on how the internet works. Because anime has the trope of the isekai where you could be taken to another world and the internet is a world that you can both go onto a computer and use and also you can actually enter yourself into the internet as a persona rather than just playing with an avatar. You are actually becoming into the internet, surfing the web, literally and physically to explore those worlds and that mechanic is also going to be included on how that's playable and how that features um another part in development which may not be part of my initial release because it is a lot is the mechs um, we have custom vehicles including regular you know horse-drawn carriages but there's also motorcycles cars um, there's technically some hover machines submarines and that's all towards a bit of balancing but we're also looking at how mechs work because evangelion and gundam were a big part of my childhood and the many other anime fans and even if you're not an anime fan most people know about the great mechs that are gundams so oh, yeah. that's also included and there's no way i'm not going to include mechs um so it's a lot of everything that's familiar about DD and the basic way it runs with brand new mechanics that really bring out the anime pieces but like i said uh the 
I'm doing almost like an early release of the player's guide, which is, or the player's creation guide. Everything you need to create a character that's playable in the world, just so you can have a character ready for as they come out. What I'm most excited about is we have been working hard on formatting. And I keep saying we like it's a team because it sounds better than just saying I have been not sleeping writing this, but we are formatting it that it's not just going to feel like you're holding another D&D book. Um, it is going to be designed like a manga in the way that it feels, the size, the measurements. We found the standard on how Viz Media makes their manga, also on how it's typically done and produced through Japan, and found the exact measurements, the angles, and getting the fonts ready and everything. So when you get a copy of Deep Breath, when I can get all the publishing figured out, you'll be holding it like you're holding a manga, which I'll also be print, trying to print both um, in standard reading, which is left to right, but also trying to get it figured out to do a manga-style printing, which mangas are read from right to left. So it's oh, a little fun that. there. No, I love that a lot because it really just like puts it at home, that feel that it's really capturing that genre of tropes that it makes it feel like it's an actual manga just to read it right to left. I'll... I'll when I inevitably pick it up, I would like to try and get that version just for posterity and collectors because that just really puts it home to this, the level of attention that you've sort of put into this. I love that so much. It's, I feel like and, a lot of other creators could really learn from just putting that level of care just to know what the themes are, what tropes they need to hit, and all of the stuff that they can go into it because the reams of work that are going into it, it sounds incredibly ambitious as well. So I was excited for this project before, but now I am even more so. So this is going to be good. This is going to be very oh, good. It's uh, very exciting to do that. And also it is going to be made in volume. So instead of having everything because it's manga sized and it's smaller than a standard, what I consider TTRPG book or common TTRPG book, uh, it is printed in volume. So you'll have the player's creation guide is a singular volume. And then the extensive world of magic is its own volume because mangas are printed in about in chapters of about one to three, about 200 pages. And roughly I'm trying to mimic that so you can have your own volume collection without having one big book. You have a bunch of singular chosen books that really hit what you're hoping for. So you can have like your quote unquote deep breath manga volumes along with a few other um, nice little additions that I'm working on including uh this is just a teaser there are going to be cards involved with this book that allow you to manage your character and everything that is about them because another thing about anime tropes and when they're published is the collector cards you get of like the games they made and the card trading card game so that way you can run your entire character through a deck of cards without having to worry about having all the books and turning through pages if you don't want to so you there's a, a little teaser on another piece of the full breadth of what is being made that's uh, incredibly exciting and the uh it does feel very manga as well just to have multiple different volumes just eventually just leading onto one story i know so many friends who have those massive collections of just like entire ikea bookshelves just with one shelf for one title going all yes. the way from like issue like volume one to volume 60 and it's just such a satisfying thing to see the spines making that long ongoing splash art. So that level of interesting attention is definitely something that just really sells the vibe of this of this release. And it's another exciting and ambitious thing to see. So um, I think we're getting close to the end of our time, but I do have a couple of big picture questions. So you said that the second and third-ish sort of volumes will be talking about the world and... 
uh, how the characters are going to be interacting with that. I'm a big world builder sort of guy as well. So what was the process of putting that setting together? How did that sort of feel? That, uh, that was probably part of your like initial writing where you just churned out all of that much in that little bit of time. But how did that sort of all come together, would you say? So it was possibly the the weirdest part of my development ever. So making an anime world is one thing, but when you blend a bunch of anime worlds, as an example, you have Dragon Ball, which has like almost like metropolis style cities and advanced technology for their fantastical elements. When you have Naruto, which is Shinobi, so it's it's a specific era of Japan that has that, much like Inuyasha. But then you have like Fullmetal Alchemist, which is very medieval Europe. My world building took I was a huge fan of history. I love history classes. Shout out to my history professors. I love feudal Japan, medieval Europe, ancient Greece, ancient Rome. I love the era of the Viking. That, and everything about those eras is what's sung to me. And the thing is, anime hits all those. So when I was building the world, I had taken every short story I've ever written about all my fantastical realms and just blended them together and started building a world that would bridge my short stories I've written since I was a kid into this world. So this is technically a more than a decade in the making of trying to find every major ancient era and then asking the question, what if they got technology and what if they were only a, a sea apart from each other? And that was the big part of getting the world building of physical and then saying, okay, if that was done, when magic is applied with this technology, what do we have? And that was what I had to keep asking every time I would make an addition or a change. I had to ask, what if magic existed? What if technology existed? And what if it happened in an instant? That's the origin of the name Deep Breath as well. The world itself one day was an ancient world, much like any D&D. And when the world of magic was opened, the vault, so to speak, magic spread across the world in this feeling as if a gust of wind roamed across the planet and it became the deep breath of magic itself with the exciting and ambitious world with all of these tropes and anime and manga titles coming together we are eager for this release and i am so grateful to have heard the promotional good stuff straight direct from you my good pal so when can we roughly expect volume one of deep breath so i am hoping um if everything goes well um, at least PDF-wise, we should be expecting an early release. I want to say, if not the end of this month, August, uh, then before the end of September, we should have Volume 1 Early Access PDF ready. Um, I am looking towards unknown if I'm just going to have everything go through my Patreon or if I'll do a Kickstarter to help get the actual rest of the stuff aren't necessary to fully publish Volume 1 by the end of fall 2021 that is the goal for that um so be on the lookout in the next i want to say 60 days is what we're looking at very exciting time and i guarantee that you'll catch our hot takes sincere reviews and endearing hype from us all here at fantastic universes this is a project that we've been hearing about ever since we First met Casual Campbell on Gilding Lights to talk about our games, but this will be something that we're going to be looking for with the utmost sincerity and excitement. But until such time, dear listeners, look to the following places where 
things can be most casual. My friend, where can our dear listeners find you? Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at just too casual. I did recently change my tag because um, I'm going fully into my brand. Um, you can find me on Twitch at Casual Creativity, which is the official brand name for all things that I publish and create. So again, Twitch is Casual Creativity. My social media is all just too casual. Um, you can also occasionally find me on other platforms doing other things. And just look for me, Jay Casual, and usually you'll find me doing, well, creative things casually, of course. Casually, of course. Uh, you can find links to all of that good stuff in the show notes down below. As for myself, follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer and follow me on Instagram and twitch.tv at IsItTinkerer as well. I've begun to stream my card game goodness to fair to middling success, but we're here for memes only. For my written work, look to this website, the founder and forger of this show, Fantastic Universes, for PC and tabletop gaming news and reviews. Look to the Apotheosis Studios blog for monsters, magic items, and other supplements to level up your TTRPG experience. And look to Runeterra CCG, where I talk about the hottest and wildest decks across my favorite card game. The viewing pleasure can find my DM plays on No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube and my PC Let's Plays on The Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube. I make a lot of content, but then again, so does my good friend, Casual Campbell, and we have made some exciting content together that I cannot wait to get my hands on. Thank you very much for your time, my good friend. It's glad to be here. It's always amazing to work with wonderful people, and truly you are a dear friend, dearly beloved. That means everything to me, and I'm sure there'll be more projects where we can talk about things in the future to promote deep breath as it comes out and to discuss more things in the world of dtrpg in this show and some other stuff but as for you dear listener thank you for listening and until next time live free and play well <laughs>